tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. It's your daily dose of Donna. Yep, it's me again. It's a very special episode of Daily Dose because I had to make this its own episode. If you guys know the show, I come to you Monday through Friday. We have a fun 30 to 45 minute chat about all kinds of reality TV, celeb gossip, pop culture. And of course, what I've been talking about for the last few days has been the Danny Masterson trial and then even heavier into it with the Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis involvement with the letters. Over the weekend, I became obsessed with this case and with this fallout and of course, all the other implications. And I decided to talk to Aaron Smith-Levin. So Aaron is the creator behind Growing Up in Scientology. He has over, if not 200,000 YouTube subscribers. He's been doing this on and off heavily for the last like year and a half, but really on and off for the last seven years. This man spent over 15, I believe almost 20 years in Scientology at in the Sea Org is a very, you know, um, spending basically his entire life towards working for Scientology. He is since out of Scientology and lives a life from away from that. But he has been covering this trial from the beginning. In fact, he was in Los Angeles in the court on the day that Danny was sentenced just last week. He has a firsthand account of so many things that we don't. He has been talking to the Jane Doe's since the beginning. And um, he's a really interesting guy. And so when I tell you I started to like binge his content, because he posts so often, it's really incredible. He works seven days a week. Um, and we both know a thing or two about working a lot. <laughs> and he is just doing an amazing job giving his story. I had to reach out to him and see if he would do my show. And I couldn't believe it when he responded, let's do it. So I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. I don't talk about Scientology on Daily Dose of Donna. This is not something that I have ever really covered or talked about. I'm not super comfortable about talking about it. I know that I'm getting a lot of messages from you guys, my dosers who care about me are like, are you sure you want to step into this? Um, the truth is, yeah. Not because I have a mission, not because I have um, a goal to, to, you know, change things from my perspective, but I think people's stories are important and I believe people. And Leah Remini has a story and Mike Rinder has a story and Aaron Smith-Levin has, has a story. And these are just the loud ones, right? There's so many other ones that don't speak about their story, but should but should. And these three Jane Doe's, these three victims did open up and spoke out very, very cautiously and very, um, in a, in a situation that you guys are going to hear, it, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like they were in a position that they were welcomed to speak out about what they experienced, but they did. And I believe justice was served. That's my opinion. Um, we talked about so much and there's so much more we didn't even cover because I couldn't even believe that it was already an hour. I could talk to him a hundred times over. I'm going to just say one thing. What he says is his opinion and his thoughts and his stories. Yes, I ask questions. Yes, I agree with some things. Yes, I throw in my own thoughts. But I want you to know this. I My mission here is to bring you pop culture and celeb gossip. And right now we have an intersection of Hollywood Scientology. And then there's a little bit of a mix of true crime, which I've talked about on the show 
on Monday. We didn't get that much into that part, and I want to get more into that, and maybe we'll do another episode, but you will be interested to hear this episode, I believe. Um, let me know your thoughts. Thank you so much, Aaron, for being here, and thank you so much for the dosers. Shout out Lauren specifically, who have really, really helped me out um, with some great questions to ask, with some conversations to make sure that we talk about, and introducing me to Aaron at all. Here we go. Welcome back to Daily Dose of Donna. I have... Aaron Smith-Levin, also known as A.A. Ron from Growing Up in Scientology on YouTube. You are a huge, huge celebrity right now in my universe. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I am so like, I, I just can't believe it because I am I feel like you're live maybe every four seconds on YouTube <laughs> lately. It Has it really ramped up since this trial? Yes. Since yeah. the trial, it's gotten insane. Um, you know, I started doing lives just to save myself time on editing. Like yeah. I, I would spend hours, you know, as of a year ago, I, I would never do live streams, but I would spend like hours and hours and hours editing what would end up being like a 15 or 20 minute video. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't keep doing this. It's pointless too, because I feel like at the end of the day, we just want to hear you talk. We don't care about like the perfect edits. And I actually heard one of your lives. I don't know if it was yesterday or, I mean, there's so many, so who knows, but you were talking to someone else about how important it is to become a creator and to like get on YouTube and talk about things. And as someone like I started Daily Dose of Donna, this show in January, just because I pressed a button and said, let's go. And now it's ranking in the top charts. Like everyone should be creating and sharing their story. Don't you agree? I totally agree. And, and people have this inferiority um, thing going on like, oh, oh, why would anyone care about what I have to say? Why would anyone care what anyone has to say? Like everyone's individual perspective on something is unique and interesting. And, and until you give it a shot, you have no idea how much what you have to say is going to resonate with people you, you could never even have, have dreamed. Like, like I people, totally. I never would have thought a Scientology centric channel could ever get more than 30 or 40,000 subscribers. But, you know, it turns out the themes that exist in Scientology, the, the, the weird abusive nature of the relationship that the organization has to its members, those themes, there's common themes between that and, and abusive relationships mm -hmm. or, um, you know, other, other religious groups. So like people who've never had anything to do with Scientology or given a damn about Scientology um, still uh, resonate in some way with my videos. And I, I never would have imagined that that were true, but you know, you try it and you find out. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're saying is so true. I think, you know, a lot of people, even if they weren't raised in a cult, like a Scientology situation or any of these other ones or a very strong religion, a lot of us have had experiences where you've been maybe surrounded by people that are someone that you maybe don't trust, or you feel like you get pulled into a circle, even just friends in college that are maybe bad influences or people that you don't feel like align with your values, but you kind of feel stuck in that relationship. I mean, there's so many different cases, but in this case specifically, which we're going to get into the Danny Masterson, this is sadly an incredibly relatable experience. I think for a lot, a lot, a lot, mostly women out there. And this, and then also you bring in the celebrity aspect and this like, you know, pop culture, Ashton and Mila coming in there and then Leah Remini. I mean, it's, it's so much. And I think everyone can find something that they're interested in. This was kind of like almost a way, I think Leah Remini really brought Scientology to, in my, in my experience, I don't know about what you feel, obviously. How long have you been running your channel? <sighs> I started it like seven or eight years ago. Oh, so you've been going for a long time. But I would post like every few months, every few weeks. I would go for six months without posting. Um, it was only about 12 or 13 months ago that I said, you know what? I'm going to post every day because I'm a huge consumer of YouTube content. Like yep. I, I, That's my favorite thing to do is to watch YouTube. <laughs> it's even, it's it's almost completely replaced Netflix. And it, it took over, by the way. It used to not be this way, but it's like once you kind of cross over that bridge, you become a YouTube addict. Well, and the algorithm just knows exactly what to serve it you. It feeds right? you. It feeds you exactly <laughs> what you want. And I thought to myself, I have my favorite channels, and some of those channels will publish like four days a week or five days a week. And I got to this point where I was, I would check my favorite channels, and I'd be like, oh, damn it, today's the day that they don't post, or they don't post on the weekend. And I'm like, you know what? My little gimmick is going to be, for, for those people who feel that way about my channel, 
I'm going to be the channel where every single day when you're like, oh, let me check to see what's there, there will at least be something. And it, I felt like I was filling a need that I actually felt needed to be filled for me. Like my favorite channels, I was like, oh, please do seven days a week. Please do seven days a week. And uh, ironically enough, because of my history in Scientology and being in the Sea Org and you know, working 120 hours a week for 50 bucks, for me, the idea of doing something seven days a week is nothing. Like it's nothing to me. <laughs> Especially because you enjoy it. I'm sure you really enjoy it. Exactly. I really, really do enjoy it. So yeah. Um, yeah. So seven days a week. It's funny. You and I are similar in that way. I think that's why I decide I call it daily, but I'm five days a week um, because I feel the same. I get obsessed with my creators that I follow and I want to hear from them every day, almost like a friend, like a check in. I want to know what's going on with them. And so you have created that you're giving incredible information, obviously, but you're also I think you've probably from the from the people in my Facebook group who know about you, who've told, who told me to follow you last week, and then who are dying over the fact that I'm talking to you for this show, they've all said the same thing, that like they love you. They like think you're amazing and funny and hilarious and smart, and you, you teach them everything, but you come across in, in such a personable way. You really are like a, a, a friend to these people. I know it sounds kind of weird, but it's true. Well, I think it's one of the things that also has made doing the live streaming so much fun is you get to interact with the audience and um, it makes it so much more real. It's so much more, much more like real life. Like you're not just talking to a camera and then editing yourself. You're, yeah. you're actually talking in real time to thousands and thousands of people. Um, and it's part of what makes it fun, you know, yeah. really. So yeah. you only started watching a week ago, so you must have been binging. Um, my husband and I have been binging like nonstop. Like I almost maybe have spent more time with you than him. And, um, <laughs> it's gonna, it's, it's, it's become an obsession. I mean, this is what I do. I deep dive like a crazy person for my show. I get really into something and then I deep dive, but the thing about the science, okay. And then we'll get in, I want to get into this and then I'm, I have like so many other questions I have for you, but I don't want to take too much time. So I want to say this whole case, I strangely enough. So I used to be a casting director and I used to work in sitcoms. I never worked on that 70s show and I was a younger, you know, like I was, I mean, I'm 42. So I, st I started casting when I was 21, 22. So it was after that, but it was, I've been in that industry, right? I've been on sets. I've seen kind of the vibe, the industry and how people are off and on camera, et cetera. So for whatever reason, hearing that maybe some of these guys on this show were a little bit... Mm, you know, a little shady, a little bit partiers. I'm like, okay, nothing new, no big de deal. Like this is, this is a typical Hollywood party scene kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, the, when, when the, the, you know, trial or when the, um, the charges came out, what year was that for Danny Masterson? <clears throat> the actual charges. Oh my God. 2019, maybe. 2019, if not a little bit earlier, but ye uh, more than four years ago. Okay. So when those you know, the reason why the reason why it's hard for me to remember this is because uh, the district attorney sat on the file for like two years, like the police had finished the investigation. The file was on the uh, Jackie Lacey, I think. Yeah. And we were waiting for like two years for her to even announce whether she was going to press charges or, or dismiss like or not. So I'm so that's why I don't I don't remember the exact date. But it's Do you know what right. I heard about that. What I heard from another person who is. I hate to say it, I do have a couple of people in my world that are in that circle, in the Masterson circle. And um, they were, I was told that this was like a strategic choice on her part to not go after this case until she was looking for reelection for some sort of a, you know, publicity or whatever, because it was such a high profile case. Have you heard that? Well, that makes sense because she only decided to bring the charges right before the reelection and she lost. Mm. Um, but that would actually make sense. I mean, isn't that disgusting, actually, if you think about it, that yeah. we just like sit on cases for power or whatever. But OK, I'm not going to get too into that. So this this case comes out. Obviously, it's a shock to, you know, Hollywood. I would say and probably like just typical Americans that grew up watching the 70s show, because in our mind, He's just like a normal dude, you know, like a cool guy. He's married, he's got kids, you know, whatever, or has a kid. Now, your experience, and I don't really know if you've had ever any interaction or anything with him through the years. I'm not sure if I've I missed that over. Do I you did have not any? know Danny. I did not know him. So when this all came out, you were already 
out of Scientology and you're already are still doing your channel, you're talking about it. So what are your thoughts on this whole thing when it first comes out? I mean, I'd already known the Jane Doe's stories. So, okay. and I also know, had enough, you know, uh, objective and subjective experience with Scientology to know that being a Scientologist doesn't make you a good person. So, yeah. and the idea that someone's a celebrity doesn't make you a good person. Uh, I've, a lot of Scientologists have been convicted of very horrible crimes, uh, you know, uh, rape, embezzlement, murder. I, I mean, so the fact that someone's a Scientologist or a celebrity to me means nothing. Mm -hmm. So I, I won't say that I'm shocked. Uh, the, the details that came out that shocked me as I learned them was just to what degree Scientology already knew exactly what Danny had done mm. and Scientology knew there was multiple victims before the victims knew there was multiple victims. Each one of these <laughs> victims thought they were the only one until that's, like very, like years and years, right? Yeah. Until many years later. And that's what keeps, that's what keeps victims from coming forward. Oh, it was just me. There's something wrong with me. Mm. Oh, it was just me. No one will ever believe me. Um, oh, there, you know, and once Jane Doe three found out, that there was other victims. That's when things started to coalesce. Mm. Like, like people, I've seen people misrepresent the fact that, uh, oh, Jane Doe three is the one that started it all or whatever. And this is a mischaracterization of the whole thing. Jane Doe one came forward many, many years earlier. Of course, the attack occurred many years earlier. And she came for forward not only to the Scientology authorities, but to the LAPD, which is totally against the rules in Scientology. So she was currently in Scientology and still went to LAPD. Yeah, and her parents. And this were was this was the donors. Jane Doe one. This is the one that goes by Jen, correct? Correct. And she and, and she was. I just want to um, confirm. This was like two thousand four ish. I'm not good with dates, but that okay. sounds right. Okay. <laughs> so she and, went to LAPD. No matter what, she she felt that strongly. She was willing to take the repercussions or whatever, and went to LAPD. Yeah, and Jen's gonna kill me if I get this wrong. I'm uh -oh. almost positive Jen's attack occurred in two thousand one. Early. So did she go to the, uh, I, I'm going to have to, I'm, I don't remember the date. I'm not good with dates. Well, Je <laughs> Jane Doe three, Chrissy was still with him in 2001. Would that have changed something maybe? Ooh, oh boy. See, I know I dates. Thought... One thing I know is dates. My husband always gets in trouble because I always remember the dates. <laughs> I thought one, I thought one of them was in 2001 and the other one was in 2003, but I'm okay. really bad. You're probably with right. Not me. I, I don't know that I'm probably right, but all I know is Jane Doe one came forward almost immediately after all of this occurred <laughs> um, to the Scientology authorities. And, and, um, and, 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 and she went to the LAPD that investigation was squashed, but also people were ordered not to cooperate. Like, you know, it's not like they found him innocent. They just didn't have enough to move forward. You know, they never went to trial. He was never charged with anything. Um, and then she also sued. She actually sued him. Again, another huge no-no. But her parents were massive donors in Scientology. And David Miscavige himself intervened at one point to keep all of this from completely going off the rails and, and blowing up. David Miscavige is the head of Scientology. Yeah. And, you know, Danny, uh, Scientology helped orchestrate a settlement, a confidential, you know, civil settlement between Danny and Jane Doe One, where uh, he, he had to pay her $400,000. Mm -hmm. Now, in Scientology, no Scientologist is going to be allowed to accept that kind of money from a Scientologist celebrity unless Scientology is saying, no, 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 no. You're going to give her this money so that this NDA is binding and that she doesn't go running her mouth and make Scientology look bad. Like Scientology wasn't actually protecting Danny. Scientology was protecting itself. Scientology. They had to protect Danny in order to protect themselves. That's all Scientology cares about. And so what was my point there? Um, so, you know, oh, oh, but, then, but then when Jane Doe 3 found out that there were other victims, years, and she only found this out years after reporting her own attack, that's when she was like, Oh, there was other victims because she found out there was other victims after she reported and then found out, meaning at, she found out Danny had attacked women even after, had attacked additional women after Jane Doe 3 had been attacked. And then she found out there was additional women before. And so the fact, once the women found, once each of the women found out that each one of them were not the only ones, that is when things started to coalesce. Okay, so Danny 
for anyone that's listening and is kind of lost, obviously go to find Aaron's channel. I'll tag it all below because he like breaks down every single thing in different, like millions of videos. But Danny was given what? A slap on the wrist by Scientology? Now, I was told in this time that Danny's mother was very high up also in this office in Scientology that people were maybe reporting to. Am I am I off there? Is that an, that's probably so no, correct. No, no. Um, so Danny's no. mother was like, um, she's a, an agent and a manager, and she was never uh, like, uh, she was not a C organization member. So Got it. Uh, church management is composed of C org members, and um, Carol was not that. Got it. Okay, so when Danny goes, you know, when J Jane Doe One, for example, goes to Scientology and reports, what's the process? What happens before this $400,000 NDA? So the internal Scientology ethics, justice, and discipline system consists of a few basics. Sec checking, that's an interrogation style of Scientology auditing. There's something in Scientology called the lower ethics conditions. And it's very hard to give nutshell descriptions of these things. But it's basically when you're in trouble, you're assigned these conditions that, um, you know, uh, they're called like treason, enemy, doubt, liability, confusion. And each one of these conditions has a series of steps that they call the conditions formula, the formula for that condition. And the formula or the steps are the things you need to do in order to come out of that condition and move into the next higher condition. Now, they're called lower conditions because non-existence is a condition that kind of separates the higher conditions from the lower conditions. Mm. Higher conditions are uh, different stages of doing well in life. So norm, there's non-existence is basically you barely, you don't even really exist. You're not having any positive or negative influence on your environment. Right above that, you have normal, and then you have affluence, and then you have power. Those are the conditions above non-existence. Below non-existence, and I'm going to brain fart on the sequence of these things, but you basically have- I'm already um, like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what is <laughs> happening? This is insane. Yeah. Oh, oh, I messed it up. Above non-existence is actually <laughs> danger, emergency, normal, affluence, and power. Below non-existence, you have like liability, enemy, treason, doubt. Oh, I'm, I'm getting the, I'm, I know I'm getting the sequence wrong. Enemy, doubt, uh, liability, treason, and confusion. And everyone so, gets a label? If you're in trouble, you get a label. Oh, these are only people that are in trouble. <laughs> the lower, oh look, it's giving me the thumbs up. It, the, <laughs> being in trouble is below non-existence. Okay. Your signed conditions mostly, now the Scientologist listening are gonna go, danger is a bad condition as well. We're keeping it simple here, you guys. Okay. The conditions below non-existence mean you're in trouble. Okay. So when Jane Doe One goes and reports the rape to the Scientology authorities, um, first of all, she's going to be required to instantly sit down and write extraordinarily detailed reports. Everything, time, place, form, event, who was there, what happened, when it happened, what was said, what was done, who said what to who. Extraordinary wow. detail. Okay, then everyone that she mentioned in her reports are going to get contacted and told to write their own reports from their memory and their perspective of exactly what happened. Because the goal is to get to the bottom of what actually happened so they can figure out what is the real threat, who really did what to whom. Okay. Now, the insidious part of the investigation and, and the, the core Scientology beliefs is that once they get to the actual truth of what occurred, the perpetrator and the victim... So the attacker and the victim are treated more or less the same, not necessarily in the magnitude of the trouble that they're in, but in the fact that they're in any trouble at all. So in Scientology, they truly believe that, you know, as an immortal spiritual being, you're responsible for anything that happens to you. So if you get raped, the guy who raped you is a bad guy, but you do need to take a look and examine what have you really been doing that predisposed yourself and opened yourself up to, to receiving such a destructive act like that. Um, mm. You know, have you done that to someone else in a past life? Um, you know, have you like, it, it's, it's an abusive thing of, of victim blaming. Okay. Uh, so, so, so once all the reports are written, then you're going to start getting metered interrogation. So Scientology has their tool called the e-meter. And people call it a lie detector. Uh, I don't call it that because even a lie detector isn't a lie detector. <laughs> it's basically a tool that can help guide you in questioning or interrogating somebody. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter whether it works or doesn't work. It matters that the people using it believe it works. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. And so Danny, Danny and 
Jane Doe one and other people who were present were very thoroughly interrogated. In Scientology, it's called a sec check or a security check. Very thoroughly interrogated to get to the bottom of what actually occurred. And, and Danny would have been assigned sec checks and lower conditions. Uh, part of those lower conditions, the, the part of the steps of those formulas do include things like making up the damage and making up amends and delivering an effective blow to the enemies of the group and all this kind of stuff. Um, uh, depending on how lower conditions are done, it's a very grueling and humiliating process. Mm. So uh, Scientologically speaking, Danny wasn't let off the hook, at least the way Scientologists think about it. They think, no, he was handled. We used Scientology technology and we handled him. Uh, but it's thoroughly because uh, to a true believing Scientologist, I guess they do genuinely believe that Scientology technology can fix the things in someone's mind that make them behave badly. And it can that, almost like cure them of this like horrible negativity. Toxicity. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And in Scientology, not using Scientology to fix things is considered a crime. Mm. And preventing Scientology technology from being applied to somebody is also considered a crime. Mm. So in Scientology, trying to punish someone by sending them to jail instead of fixing them through auditing is considered a crime. And this is sort of the underlying belief that explains why involving the police in anything or ever reporting a Scientologist to the police is considered a crime. There's a cover your ass aspect to the organization why it's considered a crime. But there's also a, like a fundamental belief reason why it's considered a crime because wow. it's not applying standard Scientology. Mm. And so um, you'll hear some people say that Scientology um, – uh, well, I'll skip that – in, in the world of Scientology, they would say, no, we did what we were supposed to do. He got his auditing. He got his sec checking. He did his conditions formulas. He did his amends. He made up the damage. Like and he got punished. He got his punishment. Punished and fixed. Oh, and fixed. And yet the ethics officer whose job it was to deal with Danny knew damn well that he kept doing this kind of stuff. And this is where things get really, really insidious, where the Scientology belief system that only Scientology can fix someone. Like, I don't know, do you remember that crazy Tom Cruise video where he's like, you're driving by an accident and you've got to stop because you know, you're the only one who can help. Have you ever seen mm. that video? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what he means. Only Scientology technology can actually fix what's wrong with people. The doctors can fix the broken bones and the ambulance can, you know, but only Scientology can fix the trauma that will prevent this person from being, um, you know, uh, experiencing psychic harm later in life. Mm. The fact that Scientology doesn't actually have the tools to fix people, but just pretends that they do, creates this incredible, this environment that is just ripe for enabling abusers, allowing abusers to reoffend, victim, you know, shaming and blaming people who come forward, and really shaming people who want to get the authorities involved. Like, like uh, it, it's unthinkable, and it's and it's why so much of this abuse gets swept under the rug in Scientology, under the guise of. We're applying standard Scientology. And it's like, yeah. yeah, but it doesn't work. So all you're doing is allowing people to re-abuse people and continue to abuse people. So do you think, I mean, obviously you can't speak for Danny. You were not him and you're not, you weren't there with him. But do you think when he received this kind of uh, what we say punishment and then treatment or whatever in this moment, he went on and did it again and again and again mm -hmm. and again. But he never went back in trouble after that one first time. Is that what happened? I can't remember. I believe he may have gotten into some trouble for Jane Doe 3's report. A little bit. But in Jane Doe 3's report, the ethics officers were much more dismissive of what she had to say. Mm. And from what I recall from what Jane Doe 3 has testified to many times now, it, they actually brushed it off. Like he might've been pulled in for an interview and questioned about things, but they, they said, look, you're his girlfriend. Yeah. You can't, you can't rape a girlfriend. You're living um, together. You're not giving him enough sex when he wants it. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, 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 you're not keeping in proper exchange with him for taking care of you. Like he did not go through the same process uh, after Jane Doe three reported what she reported that as he went through with Jane Doe one, they very much more had his back 
on with on on, on what what Jane Doe three reported. And all of these yeah. other women who have come forward, Scientology knew nothing about those women. Oh, really? Yeah, Jane Doe two was a Scientologist, but she had already had such a horrible experience previously reporting a Scientologist for for a sexual assault that she didn't even bother reporting Danny. So she just let let it stay quiet, kind of. She yeah. didn't report it to LAPD either. Correct. Okay, I, that's Jane sure Doe that, too. That is correct. Yeah, that's right. Now we've had other. Uh, Trish Vesey is an actress who came forward and said she was raped by Danny. She was never a Scientologist, so Scientology never knew about that. Kathleen Jenkins came forward, a woman from Canada who didn't even know who Danny Masterson was, didn't even know who he was until he saw she saw him on screen in the Dracula 2000 movie. Well, like literally, didn't even know who it was who'd raped her until it's like. Uh, meaning she she saw his face. She knew phys- she could recognize it, but she didn't know who he was. So, so this was a chronic issue with this guy. I mean, this He's was a not serial rapist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, I think and all of the attacks involve drugs, drugging, the same drugging, kind of situation, drugging the women. Yes. Drugging them in their in their drink. And this and that's, is from- and that's where you go. And that's where you go. It's not. And, and this is from a guy who's not no not drugs. terrible looking, has oh. money, has fame. And mm-hmm. you're like. That's where you go. Oh, you actually are. You actually have a sickness. You've got. You've actually got something seriously wrong with you. This yeah, because it's more than just trying to get a woman in bed. It's it's about a power. It's about yes. doing this. It's like a sick. Yeah, exactly. It's a sickness because anyone knows that Danny Masterson had no problem getting a girl. I mean, let's That's be right. honest. He was on a TV yes. show. He was successful and a good-looking guy. And according to so many people who knew him, that had no idea this was happening. For example, like someone that came to me who was a uh, worked on a show with um, Ashton and with Danny later, who said that Danny was the kindest, the most charming, in fact, like shockingly nicer than Ashton. Hmm. And this was a true wolf in sheep's, sheep's clothing situation. No one could believe it. So this is kind of almost what makes it even more obvious that there was this side of him because a lot of times you hear that these people that have these kind of really bad sides to them present, wouldn't you say, like as like super charming, over the top, friendly. That's what they say about Ted Bundy, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, a lot of times serial killers and stuff and rapists and all these horrible people. And that's what what makes it so crazy when you see the letters that Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis submitted. Is like, is like, yeah, yeah, he raped these women, but he was a great friend to us. It's like, are you crazy? Like, okay, so no, so he wasn't going around raping everyone that he saw. Wow, I, I mean, what? Twelve claps. <laughs> we need to talk about these letters, and there's a lot of other questions I have for you, but I want to get it. You mentioned the letters. Let's let's get into the letters. This is where so many other people that were not paying very strong attention to this trial kind of had their little like you know what are they called? <laughs> Spidey senses jump up or whatever. Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis for all, you know, intents and purposes, uh, intensive purposes are very, uh, like if they were Scientologists, they'd be a high standing person. Like they are from what we see on the outside, they're charitable, they're good parents, they're successful, they're fun, they're funny, they're friendly, they're, they're entrepreneurs. I mean, all those things, right? This was the most shocking thing to see, not only that they wrote the letters and then this apology video that blew everyone away. This idea of supporting your friends because you see them as, because you don't see them doing these things, maybe, and, and maybe there is a world where Ashton really had no idea, where Ashton really had no idea that he had this side of him. You don't believe that though. Ashton was involved in a lot of stuff with Danny, um, including trysts with women that involved drugged drinks. Um, And I'll I'll be doing more videos about it. I was going to say, I haven't heard you say that yet. Yeah. I mean, there's even an Us Weekly article from many, many years back that I'm just not sure everyone truly understood the framing framing of uh, the whole thing. But um, so it's like, uh, is it possible Ashton didn't truly understand the full scope of it? Sure. It'd be Mm -hmm. shocking if he did understand the full scope. I mean, I'm sure Danny didn't come back from raping people in Canada and be like, hey, Ashton, let me tell you how Canada went. Mm -hmm. But to say, to give the type of character defense that he gave, that uh, it's just, 
Mm, no. He, he was no. intentionally lying in those letters. Okay. I agree, I think, because you can't know someone in such an intimate way for 25 years, especially in a parting way. It's one thing if you were just like the, the woman that played his mom on the show and she was only on set with him. That's fine. That's different, maybe. But Ashton was parting with him. And right. this, this is the stuff that comes out. Mila. What are your thoughts around that? Because I have a theory from watching the apology video of what I think went down. And this is like such a, you know, my own theory. Do you believe that Mila also agreed to write the letter happily and felt, you know, felt sincere in that letter? Well, when I saw the video, which I've watched like a million times now. Same. And Ashton says, a couple months ago, Danny's family reached out. She looks at the camera and basically goes. (laughs) I just created talk about this it's like going off right now i literally just talked about okay you and i are sister brother i just created a tiktok because i'm a former casting director the first effing thing i saw was this eyebrow raise the eyebrow and the mouth she's like Danny's family think? fucked us <laughs> what do you think okay so my first thought was she's pissed that they came out to them and asked them to do it my second thought was is there a, wor- a world where ashton pushed her into doing it saying 100% we're going to be fine. We have to be there for our buddy. We will not, they said it's sealed. No one will ever know this happened. And when he says that, I got this feeling where she was basically saying F you to him. That was like my feeling. I believe the lawyers lied and told these people that this would be 100% filed under seal and never seen by anybody but the judge. And I think if Mila had any concerns about writing a letter, she was handled to write the letter with those assurances. Now check this out. I I was not following the Tory Lanez case. I know a lot of people were, and I know that a lot of celebrities wrote letters in defense of Tory Lanez and then were shocked to discover that those letters were public. Okay. Okay. These letters were written in July before all these celebrities got shocked in the Tory Lanez case. Like our letters are public. So those letters were already submitted. And I think, (laughs) Uh, and a follow on thought here is so you have the letters were attached to the back of the defense's motion for their sentencing position. They're basically their, their sentencing position. I want to say statement, but it's not a statement. It's a motion. So they file a legal document that is, you know, please sentence Danny to only um, to, to serve these sentences concurrently instead of consecutively attached to the motion is all the letters. The motion quotes from the letters. There's a letter quoted in the motion that was not included in the actual letters from Ethan Suplee. And oh, wow, I, think, I know him. I think Ethan Suplee was the only one smart enough or tenacious enough to say, hey, that letter I submitted, you better fucking throw it away or give it back to me. Because How his can you letter do that, is, though? Well, because it, he didn't submit it to the judge. He just submitted it to the lawyers. The lawyer turned in all the letters to the judge like two days before the sentencing. So he pulled back, basically. His letter is quoted in the motion, but there's no letter from him. So it seems like he's the only one who said, you better give me that letter back or you better get rid of it. Or, what do you or think the only he one had some weird indication that it was going to come out? Well, everyone found out after the Tory Lanez thing that those letters can, can be made public. Now, so, so even, even still, Danny's attorneys filed that motion under seal. They wanted okay. those to stay confidential. It wasn't until the sentencing, the day of the sentencing, we're all sitting in there in the court when the judge says to them, I'm not accepting it under seal. (laughs) So up until the sentencing day, I think the attorneys were still promising everybody that those letters were going to be confidential. But they also thought it was going to be under seal. Well, yeah. Oh, to me, confidential under seal. Same thing. Got it. Wait, the, the judge said this out loud when you were there in the court that day? To everyone, yes. I, I know you requested this. You filed this under seal, and you requested this remain under seal. But I'm not approving that request. And we, you know, in my court, like I already told you, um, almost nothing, unless it's a matter of public safety or personal safety, is, is accepted under seal. This is this whole this whole um, it, this whole thing is a matter of public record. And I think a lot of people went, "Uh oh, oh shit." Do you? Did she at that point? The judge has already read the letters, correct? Yes, she said she had already read all the letters. So if she didn't, it, would there have been a way for the attorney to be like, well, I want to pull them back? She'd already filed, officially filled them with the court the, uh, the day or two days prior, and there's just no way. 
Oh my God. So the judge almost like kind of got involved there and made it even worse for everyone. The too. judge could have, it was in, it was at her discretion to accept it under seal and she chose not to. Okay. So you were in the courtroom during this. I remember hearing that you were there. Yes. That must've been insane. It was pretty wild. You Very said, yeah, you emotional. said on a live that there were a few members of his team, of his circle, but the majority of people that were there were not, there were more on the Jane Doe circle. Correct. So the side. courtroom, the courtroom is divided up into two sections. There's one section on the left-hand side that's a bit smaller, but is uh, the seating area. I mean, uh, that is f wholly dedicated to anybody showing up in support of Danny. Okay. Um, at the uh, uh, at the hearing where she announced where where the guilty verdict was announced, not only was that uh, section all filled up as it usually was, but he brought a lot of extra people to fill up the normal section as well. Mm. Okay, so we were worried that they were going to try to pack the entire court again this time. Mm. And I think what you're referring to is I said so many supporters of the Jane Doe's showed up at like seven o'clock in the morning before the building was even opened mm. that Danny wasn't able to get any of his extra people and extra friends into the normal section that's reserved for pretty much anyone. Uh, and that was really, really cool. So the normal section of the court, of, of the seating area, was filled with people who were there in support of the Jane Doe's. And where are the Jane Doe's sitting during the court? Front row. J the, the Jane Doe's and uh, their spouses and, and Leah Remini and their advocates had the whole front row. Wow. And the media had the whole back row. And then there was row two and, and the back row was row four. So row two and row three uh, which could each fit about 13 people if you really stuff them in. And they did. They stuffed them in. Yeah. So only about 26 members of the public, uh, you know, uh, uh, members of the public who weren't related to Danny or friends of Danny or who weren't there in, um, with the Jane Doe's, only about 26 extra members of the public were even allowed into this thing. Like these, wow. court, these courtrooms are small. Small. And you were one of them. Well, I had a media pass, so I was in the back row. <laughs> nice, nice. Then, well, good. I mean, just to make sure that you were able. And the other people are just randoms, people that line yeah. up. First wow. come, first serve. Yeah. Wow, it's like almost like a Taylor Swift concert. Um. So, okay, at this, at this, because obviously we haven't seen any video from this court from this uh, day, and yeah. we just saw that picture. What was the vibe? What was Danny's vibe? <sighs> he seemed like. He no emotion. There was no oh. anger, no guilt, no happiness, no sadness. He he seemed bored. At one point, I thought he was falling asleep. I, I actually was like, is that dude actually falling asleep right now? Maybe he was like on some sort of calming situation. I, I, I genuinely do wonder that. You know, he yeah. just spent 100 days in county jail. Um, he did cooperate with the pre-sentencing investigation. And plus the guy, well, the guy was, uh, you know, physically dependent on alcohol. So he's sober for the first time in probably Wait, a few okay. decades. You said that on a video as well. I've yeah. literally been stalking you. Um, you said that on a video as well. I didn't know this. So you guys, Aaron had mentioned on a on a video with another. Um, what what what's his name? Another guy that you do. He's like Tommy the, Scoville. Yes, he's like an addiction specialist, right? Or he talks about addiction. Yeah, he's got a channel called The Lifeboat, and yes. uh, he himself is a former prisoner and a former addict, and yeah. so he he's uh, he deals with recovery. So he was talking about how when Danny went into county jail, he was physically dependent on alcohol. We didn't know this. Like the, the public didn't know. I didn't remember hearing this ever to the point where he was yeah. waking up. It wasn't public, right? I it mean, wasn't nobody out. but his friends and family would know that. Got it. So he was waking up in the morning drinking, drinking all day and drinking to go to bed. Yeah. And so he was like physically dependent. So that means they had to literally give him a treatment to get off of alcohol, correct? Yeah. I mean, he would and, have had to. Yeah. So the, and that's confirmed that he was on that he was drinking. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Okay. And and the reason we started talking about that is because I received an email from a deputy sheriff who worked in the county jail where Danny was being held, and he said, by the way, he's actually being held in the medical ward. He's not wow. in with Gen Pop. He's not in protective custody. He's in the medical ward. And that's when I was contacted by other people close to Danny, and was like, well, he is physically dependent on alcohol, and you know, coming on cold turkey off of alcohol is one of the few things that can actually kill you. Oh yeah. And um, now it doesn't take 100 days to come off of alcohol. So it, it's possible that by the time, you know, having him in there, everyone realized, oh, this is actually really convenient because if this guy gets hurt before his sentencing, we're going to look really, really bad. So maybe we just keep him here. So, yeah. but if he's going to be in there for 100 days, does he wind up on an actual medication that 
uh, you know, normally a Scientologist would never take a medication like that, but maybe he's like, well, am I still a Scientologist? I, I mean, I'm in no point being a Scientologist in prison. Yeah, like, okay, so so let me ask you a question, though. This whole idea of Danny that people were writing in the in the letters, everyone's similar words were, he was so anti-drug, so against drugs, never took drugs, et cetera, et cetera. Well, uh, allegedly, he's drugging women, and obviously, alcohol is a drug. I mean, it's not really a drug drug, but it's a drug. Let's be honest. It's a legal drug. Yeah. He clearly was under substances, like- Right? What is this whole idea that he was never on drugs or never did anything with drugs? Well, I've never heard anyone accuse Danny of like smoking pot or doing cocaine or anything like that. But again, it's very typical for a Scientologist not consider alcohol to be a drug or for nicotine to be a drug. Um, Scientologists only really call uh, pharmaceutical drugs drugs or um, illegal drugs drugs. Got it. Um, I'm told that Danny did, you know, when the show first started, sit everybody down and basically be like, this is our one opportunity. Don't screw this up with drugs. That's fine. That's a good message. But but the whole thing of Danny doesn't associate with people who do drugs, which is what Mila and Ashton said in their letters, is such horseshit. One of Danny Masterson's closest friends is a guy named Jimmy DeBello, who's just a notorious cokehead. Like uh, uh, Mila Kunis, when she was on the show and with um, uh, what's his name? Um, the Home Alone kid, Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Mila Kunis was with doing massive amounts of drugs. So for them to be like, oh, not only Danny would never associate with anyone who does drugs. It's just a stupid thing to say, especially when all the women he raped said he drugged me. So it's like, that's why people are, that's why I think it's one of the reasons people are so outraged about the letters. And I think it's one of the reasons why Ashton had to say, "Uh, the letter wasn't intended to undermine the testimony of the Jane Doe's. And it's like, it's weird for you to go on and on and on about how anti-drug he was when he's accused of drugging the women. It, It seems like, that was an effort to undermine their testimony. Um, and so, yeah, the whole drug thing, Scientologists are very, very anti-drug. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why a lot of them don't receive treatment for things like cancer, et cetera, correct? Am I crazy? It's true. To, there, there, is, there isn't. Yeah, you're right. Like Because it's not against the rules in Scientology to, to go to a doctor. But there You is can go to an, a doctor when you are feeling bad or ill. You do go to outside doctors? I'm not saying you do. I'm saying you can. Okay, but do most? But there, well, there's an institutionalized anti-medicine bias in Scientology that causes a lot of people to just not go to the doctor. I mean, I still have that lingering bias. I can't tell you the last time I went to a doctor. I've never had Aaron, a checkup. In, I've never had a Jewish, checkup in my your adult Your Jewish life. mother here is telling you, get your butt to the doctor. <laughs> but here's Especially the thing. Especially with it, what you're doing. You're sitting here all day under stress. I'm concerned. But, but if I don't go to the doctor, it's not because I think doctors don't know what they're doing or, or, or I'm afraid to go to the doctor. I just go, eh, I'll get better. So, mm-hmm. but so, so it's kind of what I'm saying. Like in Scientology, there's no, there's not one rule anywhere that says you can't go to the doctor or you can't get a surgery or can't do anything. There is an institutionalized anti-medicine bias. L. Ron Hubbard speaks derogatorily about doctors. He calls them medicos and da, 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 da. And, but, but, and, and that, that bias comes from the fact that he's like, those doctors, they only fix the bones. But we fix the spirit who can fix the bones. Um, And it's like, yes, get first aid. But Scientologists will try to fix cancer with auditing before they'll try to fix cancer with medicine. And that is why so one of the reasons why so many Scientologists die of cancer. There really is an incredibly high incidence of cancer of people, young people dying of cancer in Scientology. And there's probably something more to it even than I could even guess at, but it's insane how many Scientologists die from cancer. And, and it's largely because of this anti-medicine bias. Scientologists getting medical screening is almost unheard of, you know, they just think they're superhuman that, you know, your, your, your Thetan, you know, their Thetan is the spirit. L. Ron Hubbard says your Thetan is cause over the physical universe. Your Thetan can, give you cancer or take cancer away. You can, you know, heal this stuff with auditing. Like, uh, yeah, where are we going with that? Oh, oh, uh, but, but L. Ron Hubbard was uniquely anti-psychiatry and psychology, much more so than anti-medicine. Like um, Scientologists do think of psychiatry and psychology and pharmaceutical drugs as being like uniquely evil. Whereas Scientologists do not think that doctors are evil. They do think psychiatrists are evil. So I'm feeling, I'm a Scientologist, just say, and I'm starting to get like horrible panic attacks and anxiety attacks every, every day. Crippling. What do I do? Who do I talk to? And what do they tell me? You go into the org uh, and you, you speak probably to like either the registrar or the director of processing who oversees all the auditing. 
anything that's wrong with you, they're going to try to fix with auditing, whether it's lower level auditing called assists maybe or higher level auditing. Auditing like, is this machine that you're talking about, right? The Auditing no? is like a one-on-one -on -one counseling procedure uh -huh. that almost always involves the use of the e-meter, the little machine. Um, but, you know, I mean, L. Ron Hubbard just wrote thousands and thousands and thousands of pages about different types of auditing procedures. And it, it's like the core of what Scientologists do is auditing. It's like when you hear Scientologists say going up the bridge or where are you at on the bridge, they're referring to getting auditing and more auditing and different levels of auditing and different kinds of auditing. It's a lot of, of talking. It's a lot it's of a lot. talking. Yes, it's a lot of talking. Scientologists. It's like, it's like too much. <laughs> it's a lot of talking. And I can see why a lot of people wouldn't want to share maybe vulnerabilities or, or struggles because it's like, you know, you're just going to kind of have to talk it to death with yes. someone. Yeah. Yes. And you know, it's going to cost you money. Auditing is not cheap. No, stop. You have to pay to get audited. It's like hundreds of dollars an hour sometimes. So if you're feeling a certain way and you go to this, uh, the administrar or whatever, <laughs> registrar, and you go speak to someone and they say you have to get audited, they charge you. A lot of money, yes. And there's no insurance or anything in Scientology, right? <laughs> <laughs> even even earlier when I said that the Jane Doe, like Jane Doe one, when she says Danny raped me and she would have to get a lot of auditing to get to the bottom of it, she paid tens of thousands of dollars for that auditing. So you what? wonder why people would be like, Maybe next time I'm not going to report the assault. And then also you spend all that money and you don't even get the result that you probably want or exactly. you should get, right? Like it's not like going to, a, you know, a doctor or a lawyer outside that will actually fight for you with that money. That's right. Oh and my gosh. Just, and honestly, just imagine the psychic damage that this causes. Imagine having to spend dozens and dozens of hours paying 100 or $200 an hour recalling past live incidents when you raped other people and you're doing this to resolve, you know, why you were raped this lifetime. Like, I'm not shitting. Wait, this is they, for real. They try to turn it around that your other bodies or like prior bodies yeah, have exactly. created this. That Well, because remember, you're a spirit, you're a Thetan, you're immortal. You've lived for trillions of years. Your past lives is just your present self having occupied other bodies. So Scientologists believe if you die today, you just go and jump into a new baby body in the nearby hospital. You just live lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. Um, and so, yeah, so if you get hit by a car today, you might be doing auditing sessions about all the people you've hit with cars a million years ago, a billion years ago, a trillion years ago in other galaxies and solar systems and even universes. Oh, like, oh my goodness. So that's the kind of so-called therapy we're talking about. It's we're not, not talking about tell me about your relationship with your parents. Like let's talk <laughs> about childhood trauma. Yeah, it's not like that. <laughs> and it's not, yeah, in your past life trauma, they don't want to know what's been done to you. They want to know what you did to others. It's always your fault. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So this is mind blowing, by the way. I didn't know so many of these things because you mentioned the money. Let's talk about this really fast. How is Scientology feeling right now in this moment from what you know? I know that you've talked about, you had a, a, a video that said they're in panic mode. Like <laughs> what is going on in Scientology if you were a fly on the wall? Damage control. This is Damage the biggest, this control. is probably the biggest, the biggest hit on Scientology in years and years and years. Yeah. In a, in a long time, in a long time. And, 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 and keep in mind, there's five other legal actions going on right now against Scientology. Let me see if I can remember them. Yeah. What? There is a child labor trafficking case, um, a civil, civil suit, um, uh, taking place in, in the Tampa district from uh, three former Scientologists, uh, former SEERG members who currently live in Australia. There is a child sex trafficking case against Scientology in the Los Angeles district. There is um, a civil lawsuit, the, uh, Danny Masterson's victims, a civil lawsuit against Scientology just for the stalking and harassment and intimidation they've been subjected to for the last many years. Um, there is a grand jury investigation being conducted in the LA district uh, into obstruction of justice in the Danny Masterson case. Jeez. In which David Miscavige is personally implicated. And then there's, of course, Leah Remini's lawsuit um, suing Scientology and David Miscavige for all the fair game and the attacks. And then you've got Danny Masterson, who just, you know, convicted of raping multiple, violently raping multiple Scientologists. Damage control is putting it mildly. Um, and the thing is, you know, Scientology has been shrinking uh, consistently since the 90s that's well, the thing so that's so, a question really fast are they getting yeah. new enrollments right now there is new enrollments but there's more churn 
the churn is such that they're uh, they get they they have a net loss of members over time. So yes, there are people who who newly join Scientology. Usually, people Shocking. who get into Scientology right now come in through the Scientology business consulting front groups. Um, and there's a lot of them, and I've done videos on that, and I'm going to do a lot more videos on that. But yeah. if you're if you're a dentist, if you're a chiropractor, if you are a veterinarian or a financial advisor. Chances are some of the biggest business consulting groups in your industry are secretly Scientology recruiting groups. I shit you not. It's amazing. No. It's amazing. This is how Scientology gets members, not only members, but rich members. Dentists yeah. make so much money. It's it's gross. <laughs> and even and that's why you don't go. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So the dentist is the one person I do go to all the time. I get my you teeth need a, You need a bright smile for the YouTube videos. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so so this is so you're saying it's dwindling and they have damage control because now there's like i'm sorry they say no no press is is bad press this is bad press like scientology has bad press which is why i'm so confused why people young 20 some year olds like hollywood you know aspiring actors would ever join scientology now i'll tell you here's here's how it happens despite all the bad press someone goes into the celebrity center and they're greeted by a young attractive friendly person who pumps up their ego, tells them how brilliant they are and says, we've got a couple cheap $50 courses that'll help you, um, uh, do better in relationships or, you know, say, uh, you know, uh, advance quicker at the office. And you're just, you're just surrounded by people who are love bombing you, telling you how great you are, how smart you are. Um, the environment itself is such that at the introductory levels, it can be, appealing if if not even addictive yeah I and you can, can go that. oh wow all those news articles that really is just you know big pharma and big psych attacking this wonderful group that's just dedicated on helping people yeah and they're the so nice is, they seem so nice yeah and the thing is most scientologists are yeah truly dedicated to helping people they truly do believe everything that they're doing yeah they don't uh, and i know it can be hard for people to to, to truly grasp that. And, and, and unless you've been in a situation like that yourself, it can be almost impossible to understand. Yeah. Um, but you know, just like, just like Scientologists want to believe that Danny Masterson didn't really rape these women. I mean, the people that were dealing with Danny knows he did this, but most Scientologists would rather believe he didn't really do this. They also want to believe that all the stuff you see in the media is, if not outright false, just grossly exaggerated by people who have an ax to grind and are you know want retaliation and revenge and so you just kind of dismiss it or you go yes that happened to them but it was one bad apple and it's not reflective of the organization and you go look you anybody can make excuses for anything yeah um but that's how people end up getting sucked in in the beginning they're like oh why don't i just give it a shot um Scientology, like there's a lot of Scientology honeypots, you know, like like the intelligence world, right? They use hot, attractive spies to to infiltrate people's lives. Scientology is not much different than that. And look, you're in the city of angels, Los Angeles. It's definitely um, I mean, I'm, I'm born and raised here, but there's a lot of people that come here looking for, you know, this instant fame, success, et cetera, through the years. And they come out here and they're lonely and it's hard. Yeah. It's not an easy city to be in, especially if you're all true. alone. So what? You mentioned on this video about damage control. You said something along the lines of now they're trying to kind of go through all the different cases that have been reported to see if there's any other people that will maybe come out publicly like this. Is that oh, is that just like a video. guess? Oh, you watched the video yesterday with Mark Headley. I'm t um, um, you think I'm joking when I tell you I've been <laughs> I'm researching, okay? Yeah. So it, it is. Uh, so yes, it, it, it is a guess. And Mark was guessing, but it's an informed guess because Mark, okay. you know, worked at some of the highest levels of Scientology for many decades, as did his wife, as did, you know, many of our mutual friends. And um, look, Scientology does uh, their approach to things isn't just stick your head in the sand and pretend it's not happening. Their approach to things is get to the bottom of everything, find out what our exposure is, find out where liability is, find out if there's more of these sleeper cases that we need to get ahead of right now. That is how they work. So it's a very, very informed guess. <laughs> um, there are so many cases. And, and, and okay, so I, I described earlier that even when Jane Doe goes in and says, Danny raped me, it's not like they go, oh, we don't want to hear that. They, I mean, they will say, don't say the word rape. We don't say the word rape. But they want to know everything. Everything. 
And all those details are documented in writing in the files, in the auditing files, in the ethics files, in the personnel files, in the data files. The information is there. So Scientology, and so that's how they work. They want to ferret out the information. We want to know exactly what our exposure is. Mm. That is unquestionably what they're doing right now. How exactly they're doing that. Uh, I can't say because they yeah. also they also like to uh, keep you know information silos. They don't they don't like bad information spreading throughout the group. So you know if they're bringing people in for interviews and like, hey, uh, we were going through your file and we saw a report here about this. Tell us more that happened about that. You know they're you know maybe this sounded like it could be an assault, but it doesn't say that yeah. what actually happened. They're still going to tell that person. They're they're not going to tell that person to go around and ask other people. They're going to be like, no, 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 don't say anything. This is a private interview, right? So at the, at, at, on the one hand, they're trying to find out as much as possible. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, they're trying to keep everyone from knowing that they're frantically trying to find out as much as possible. Everything's fine here. <laughs> Nothing to see. Yeah, We're good. Exactly, Everything's exactly. okay. We're having a great day. Um, wh- what, like, as we kind of get to the end of this, because I w- could talk to you for seriously six years, but I know you have 14 more videos to post today. Um, are you scared talking about them? Oh, no, I don't give a damn. Tell that's, me why. That's that's my superpower. Well, once you see how the sausage is made, or, or what's a better analogy? When you go to the, the Wizard of Oz and you, you, you peek behind the curtain and you see it's just a dude, you have no fear. So, like, Scientology is run by a, a bunch of morons. I, I mean, that's, okay, that's he not He said it, not me. I didn't say it. Well, David Miscavige isn't actually a moron. But the thing is, the, the organization is run in such a way that it's almost impossible for them to be very effective at anything they try to do. Uh, there's no long-term planning. There's no strategic planning. Everything is now, 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 now. There's no one-year plan. There's no five-year plan. There's no 10-year plan. Organizations don't coordinate well with each other. And I know I worked for them. By the time I was 34, when I left Scientology officially, I spent half of my life working for them at the most dedicated levels. So wow. I know exactly how the sausage is made. I know exactly how ineffective and incompetent Competent, most of the people there are. And uh, look, they didn't sue Leah Remini. They didn't sue Mike Rinder. They didn't sue Lawrence Wright. They didn't sue Alex Gibney. And those are the they, loud ones. They haven't actually sued anyone in almost 30 years. Most people don't realize that. But what um, do they do to scare them? Oh, I have private investigators following me. I have a website dedicated to trying to smear me. They try to call people who do business with me. But I'm impervious to that type of intimidation. Everyone in my life already knows who I am, my history, my story. When Scientology private investigators start calling people associated with me, I'm the first person to find out about it. And I'm thrilled when I find out. I'm like, yes, the game is on. I'm like, (laughs) record everything. You know, when I found out the PI was hanging outside my house, I asked my neighbors. They're like, oh, this guy's been hanging out for months. I'm like, how come nobody told me? They're like, oh, we just assumed that you knew. I'm um, like, no. But as soon as I found out, I got a phone call. Okay, the guy's out there again. I went, I went out there and I got him on camera. And I'm, I'm like, so I'm just impervious. I feel Scientology's been attacking us for so long. Uh, and I say, you know, us former members, they've created a Scientology resistant strain of virus. Um, it's just there's just nothing they could do to actually get under my skin. And it's one of the reasons I'm so dedicated to doing it so much. Is I'm like, if anyone was made for this, it's me. And so I'm gonna take advantage of that. <laughs> What is your goal with all of this? Like, what's the goal? So a couple things. I like to say my actual goal is just to be David Miscavige's worst nightmare. Um, And that's sort of (laughs) a- Have you ever met him? uh, So I've never had a conversation with him. You know, okay. I've, I've, I've been in rooms where he was. I've been uh, I've been in the audience while he's up on stage talking to us, but I've never like shaken his hand or um, been face to face with him. Um, so, but, but, you know, the real goal is more closely tied to helping people- on their path out of Scientology. So I know how soul crushing and, and life destroying it can feel to be leaving Scientology and be um, uh, subject to the fair game and the disconnection and losing friends and losing family. And, um, and, and that's why I'm, I'm the vice president of the Aftermath Foundation. And we help people who are escaping from Scientology every single week. I mean, at this point, it feels like it's almost every single day. We yeah. are helping people who are either physically escaping from Scientology or are somewhere in the process of leaving and need help. If that's someone to talk to, um, if that's actual financial help, if that's relocating, if that's getting a new place to live, transportation, helping someone get a job, wow. uh, the, the, the platform and the posting all the time and posting tons of videos and getting other people to start channels. It's, but, but, but see, for me, that falls under the banner of being David Miscavige's worst nightmare. Right. So it's 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 part of that mission of, you know, there are so many people who over the last many decades 
struggled immensely leaving Scientology. The fact that we are making it easier and easier and easier to do so, and, and also being so prolific in getting, getting that word out, that's part of being David Miscavige's worst nightmare. <laughs> I mean, seriously, because it's spreading. It's spreading in YouTube and TikTok and Instagram. I mean, these are all social media is, is, is a whole new beast, right? With getting the information out there, you've grown so much in the last few days, I think, from what I've seen, right? I mean, just in the last few days, I've gotten like 15,000 new subscribers. It's been a little crazy. <laughs> it's gonna, and it's gonna keep on growing because yeah. why was like my Bravo world, like I, I'm a Bravo addict, right? Bravo is, I don't know if you know what that is. Like, I don't even know. Would I'm you familiar. know what Real Housewives is? That, is. Is, that the, is that the Real Housewives? Yeah, is that it's the, all of those shows. Is that shows. the Vanderpump? Is that the Vanderpump thing? Scandaval. That- <laughs> Scandaval. I want Scandaval and, and Scientology to be connected in some way, but we're not there yet. But I think you'd be surprised. I'm sure, I'm sure there is a connection, but all my Bravo accounts that I was following were posting about you. And so like, that is the craziest Who? kind of, well, like glorified gossip girl. Who's like one of my favorite accounts that I love following. She posted one of your videos as a reel on her page, which is why like, and this was all around the Danny Masterson stuff. Oh. And all of a sudden she has hundreds of thousands of followers and like people, this is what I'm saying. Like you are really, because I think the people that are obsessed with reality TV are actually very, very similar to the people obsessed with true crime and this kind of stuff, cult-like um, Yeah, this know, is commentary. like cult, true crime, reality TV. It's crazy. And then like Hollywood, I mean, it's like all our senses are just like, ah! It's, it's, really, it's really insane. Will I get in trouble for airing this? Um, you might get some mean tweets from Scientology calling you a horrible religious bigot. I mean, I was on Chris Cuomo's show last night for like five minutes and they were calling him a religious bigot and, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, Mike a and bigger Leah- audience, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm scared. Mike-, <laughs> Mike and Leah were on Jake Tapper for like five minutes and then Jake Tapper was a religious bigot. So you might get some mean tweets. What does that even me- mean religious bigot? I'm a, I'm a Jew. <laughs> it's so, so stupid. It's so stupid. Um, what about, what do you suggest for Ashton and Mila? What would you suggest to them? If you could suggest uh, anything. There's one thing that would put it all to, all to rest. What? Do a sincere apology video and say the names of the women. Say, yes. we apologize to Jen and Nisha and Chrissy sincerely. We should have stayed out of it. We should have supported you guys. We screwed up. Yeah. We're really, really sorry. No crisis management. I mean, it would take 30 seconds to just do a live, sincere video. I agree. Uh, but the fact is, Ashton's been such uh, an asshole to these women over the years and such an enabler of Danny that it's almost like we're saying what would be easy to be the right thing to do. It would be almost impossible for him to do it. Well, because it you would, know? for him, it would be betraying his best friend. Yeah. To support the victims a- would be betraying his best friend who he has yeah. his allegiance to, it sounds like. Yeah. But the truth is, it would fix the situation. If I know, it. and now I guess at this point, it's to decide what's more important, your friendship or your career. Right. I wonder yeah, what Mila's thinking. this is a thinking. huge deal. I mean, this thing's worldwide press. I mean, it's everywhere, and, and, and I can't, I have yet to see many people support their choice in writing that letter. I don't see a lot of that out there, except maybe House and Habit. A couple, <laughs> a couple people on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, Aaron, where can people find you and obsess over you like I have been? <laughs> so YouTube, growing up in Scientology. I mean, I have Twitter, I have Instagram, but I don't really use them for much other than posting links to videos. Um, yeah. Growing up in Scientology is, is, is uh, where they can find me. I love it so much. Um, your videos are so well done. You're such a good speaker. You're made for this. You really are. Like coming from the casting director side, I would say you've got a good presence. You're really good to like, because a lot of people can make this kind of boring. Watching yeah. you is very interesting. It's really good. So make sure to follow Aaron over there. Aaron, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for doing my show. I really do appreciate you. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.